Welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. It's a big honor to have Naveen Jain with me today. Naveen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It's glad, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you're a big social change maker. So that's, that's why we're um, on the line today. And I want to start right away and understand from you, like, what is it that, that makes social change? Like, what is the mindset behind it? <laughs> Yeah. So one of the things that I find most fascinating is that we are living in these amazing times. We are probably living in the best time in the human history. We are an individual and a small group of people are now capable of doing things that could only be done by the kings and the aristocrats or even the nation states. And if I may say so, individuals and small groups are now doing things that only the superpowers could do before. And that to me is a big change. We no longer have to rely on someone else to solve the problems that we care about. You and I and a small group of determined people can go out and get, make things happen. So in a sense, we no longer have to be activism for activists and for someone to do something. The best activism is to put the hat down and say, screw it, I'm gonna just go do it, right? And it doesn't matter how big the problem is, the small, it, all it takes is one person to say, I'm going to do that and set that as a goal and amazing things happen. The technology is available and the people come together to make that dream come true. So <clears throat> what, I'm, what I'm about to tell you is it all starts with someone believing what is possible. In 99% of the people, look at the world as is and constantly complain about why can't someone do something about it? And my philosophy is the people who are actually making the change, they never look at the world what is, they look at the world and what it can be and focus on what the world can be. So don't look at the glass and, and say, I'm an optimist, I'm looking at a glass being half full or it being half empty. What really matters is, do you think this glass is worth filling? Do you want to fill the glass or not? And if you want to fill the glass, does it really matter if it's half empty or half full? And if you don't want to fill the glass, does it really matter if it's half empty or half full? So don't ever focus on what is, focus on what you want it to be. Constantly start to believe, when you start to think any minute that something is impossible, it becomes impossible just for you and not anyone else. So when you start to say, oh, that's just not possible, all that means is you have taken yourself out of solving that problem. But somebody else will still go out and solve that problem. And I'm gonna give you a couple of examples of even the goals that seem so audacious, that someone might even call them the moonshots. Even those are now possible by a small group of people. So seven years ago, it occurred to me that <clears throat> Only the governments have ever left Earth orbit. So imagine there's never been a single private company that has ever left Earth orbit. And many people believe, you know, Elon or Richard Branson or Jeff Bezos, they're all doing in space. What most people don't realize is all of them are still in the low Earth orbit. No one has ever left. And our thought was, why can't we be the company that can start the momentum towards creating a multi-planetary society. So imagine what is a, a moonshot here? What if we can create a multi-planetary society that will save the humanity from potential extinction? Because we, all of us 
are living in a single spacecraft. And we call this a spacecraft, the planet Earth. And this, our spacecraft is whirling around in the space. And it's a dangerous place out there. All it takes is one large asteroid to hit our spacecraft and boom goes the humanity, right? We all will become dinosaurs. And we can all think back and if we can listen to the dinosaurs rolling in their graves, what would they be saying? If they had one good entrepreneurial dinosaur, they'll be roaming on the moon and the Mars and beyond. That didn't happen for them. Let's not make the same mistake for ourselves now, right? So <clears throat> idea was, what if we could actually do it? And people said, you know, it's going to cost billions of dollars to do that. You know, it's, it can't be privately funded. Only the governments can do that. And our belief was really simple. The cost of sensors are coming down so fast. And with everything that's making the iPhone cheaper, faster, and thinner is exactly the kind of things that are going to make the spacecraft smaller, lighter, and faster, and and affordable. <clears throat> the cost of the rockets, we realize, will have to continue to come down as people are starting to build a reusable rocket. The cost of going to space will become the marginal cost of the fuel. And if we can make the spacecraft light enough and not have to carry all the fuel from Earth and we can refuel ourselves along the way, then the cost will come down significantly. And people say, it doesn't matter. Maybe instead of NASA spending 25 billion, maybe you guys can do it for a billion dollars. And my belief was we could probably do it for under $100 million. Wow. It turns out, seven years later, ours turned out to be completely wrong. Our cost was $7 million. So think about it. I was so wrong that even though I thought we were going to have a tenfold advantage, it turns out, I was 10 times wrong because the problem is the human mind just cannot understand the power of exponential technology. You and I, it doesn't matter how hard we try, the, the human mind is designed to be local and linear. It just cannot understand the concept of global and exponential. For example, this is something that most people, including me, always get it wrong. So if I ask you and say, Julian, if you, you and I were to take 30 steps, how far will you go in a room? And most people will say about the place you can get there because very linear, you can say 30 steps, about 30 meters, I'm looking at the car, I can get there. And you tell people, what about if you take 30 exponential steps? That means one step and then two steps and then the four steps and then eight steps. And people will say, how far will you go? So you say, well, I'm in Victoria. Maybe I'll end up in Vancouver. Maybe I'll end up in California. When you tell people, what about 13 times around the planet Earth? People say, how can that be possible? And that's the power of exponential. It 30 exponential steps is 1 billion meters. Wow, that's powerful. Right. I, I agree with you that the, the human mind is, is we're, we're trained and, and self-conditioned to kind of stay limited, right? And, yes, and very local and linear, as you say. Yes, so, so this like training into abundance mindset, like how does, one, how does one go there every day to make sure we actually believe in the moonshots? So again, that comes from seeing what is possible. The things that were not possible even a year ago, suddenly becomes possible. When you're developing some things, don't look at, can the today's technology solve the problem? 
you start to look at the technological curve and say where the technology is going to be in three years when you're ready to use that technology, right? And that is the thing is a smart, if you look at the soccer players, right? It's very interesting about soccer. When you look at the third graders, they always chase the ball. And you look at the professionals who are really good at it, they always wait for the ball to come to them. So you want to be where the puck is going to be, not where the puck is. Right. Nice. I love soccer. So that's a great metaphor for me. I remember playing as a five-year-old and then how I actually evolved into exactly, maybe not waiting for the ball, but anticipating where the wave is going to be, right? Exactly my point, where the anticipation of where the ball is going to be. And I believe the best example was our friends at Siri. When Siri started, everyone told them the thing you're trying to do with the voice recognition that power on the phone does not exist. The communication is so limited, you can't use the cloud to do that. This company will never work. And their answer was, it will take us three years to perfect the technology and we believe in three years that thing will exist. And that's exactly what they did. They built the technology and the technology caught up to them. Mm -hmm. So Naveen, do you think we need more um, like Martin Luther King's in our society, people that say, I have a dream, I believe in this? Yeah, so it's kind of that. So for example, I started my next company with a simple goal. What if we can create a world where illness is optional? And people say, what do you mean by that? What if people just didn't fall sick? And people say, you have to be absolutely crazy. We have <laughs> trillion dollars we're spending in healthcare. And you're telling me nobody is solving this problem. And I remind them all that once any system becomes large, it becomes an organism. And the Darwinian theory starts to take hold. The survival of the system, the only thing that matters, and the purpose goes out the window. So if you look at our healthcare system, it's primarily designed to suppress the symptoms. It doesn't want to cure anything because it's not in the interest of anybody in the system to cure something. If pharmaceutical companies once said the best drug we develop is, is the one that people have to take it for the rest of their life. So imagine that. If pharmaceutical company saying a good drug is not the drug that actually cures anything. A good drug is the one that you never get off. I mean, so imagine that's the kind of mindset when people have. And our belief is that if you look at the current medical system, it believes that best body, the healthy body, is a sterile body. That all we have to do is get rid of all the viruses and bacteria from the human body and we will be really healthy. And what they didn't was read was a nature's memo. Hey, we created you as an ecosystem, just like our planet is a really an ecosystem and you can't just pick apart something and say, what if we just kill all the mosquitoes? What if we just kill all the, who needs them, right? And this ecosystem is very fragile. When you start to take the ecosystem things out, the organism just won't survive, which is really our planet. And if you look at the human body and what most people don't realize, at least to me, not being an expert is what allowed me to start thinking like that. Is when oh, you are, yeah. So when you are expert, interesting thing happens. You can go out and solve the problem better than anyone else, but you can only make the incremental improvement. You can make it 10% better, 15% better because you know about it. But if you want to change something 10 times or 100 times, 
you cannot be an expert because you will because to become an expert you have to know things and to know things you have to accept the foundation of the things as granted when you come from outside the world you're able to challenge the foundation and that means you can go back to the drawing board and change something completely different so medical system thought the only way to solve is to keep each of the subsystems healthy and each symptom call let's call it a disease and we suppress that symptom <clears throat> the human body was created as an ecosystem so i'm going to ask you a thing do you know that human dna how much genes it produces so i'm going to give you an answer is under 20000 genes is all it does mm -hmm. the human dna our microbial ecosystem in our gut produces somewhere between 1 million to 10 million genes mm -hmm. so any which way you look at it we are 98% or 99% microbial and with a little bit of human dna sprinkled into us right nice so as proud as we are of being who we are we are still a portable container for microbial society is who absolutely we are. i mean this is the biosphere we live in right this is a um this is an ecosystem as you said that that is well it's also a closed molecular loop like it's not that in outer space earth kind of falls into space where we're actually in this together very much interconnected which that's what i heard you say earlier the human mind doesn't quite operate on that level because it's so linear it it thinks we're one individual unit but we're a bacterial connectivity inside us so the interesting thing is just like the hubble telescope allowed us to see the vastness of space and when we used to believe that you know we are kind of very unique and you know unique thing at a planet earth and you look at just our own galaxy forget about anything just our own and galaxy our solar system is really you know meaningless it's on the side somewhere here not like a center of our galaxy or anything and nothing interesting about it even in our own galaxy we are simply a tiny pale blue dot right yeah and now you look at the trillions of galaxies trillions of galaxies in our universe and one would argue they may be trillions of universe in this multiverse i mean it's so vast and if you turn that hubble telescope inside your body you're going to see exactly that the interconnected network of microbial system here and you see how oh, we are just so unique human dna and you start to see this vast network and human dna is this nice pale blue dot on the side that doesn't really matter <laughs> nice mike in what are things i another thing that i found is i this is now i'm going to go slightly on the limb that's beyond science so i'm a science guy but i'm starting to feel this that every research paper i read today is starting to talk about how microbes are responsible for everything in our body so i and there's not a day goes by that does not show that how microbes control our behavior they control our emotions they control our <clears throat> all the neural diseases so parkinson's starts in your gut not in your brain depression starts in your gut 70% of serotonin is produced in your gut right you see anxiety you look at obesity you look at cancer you look at autoimmune disease you look at diabetes every one of them is fundamentally governed by the microbial ecosystem in our gut and the reason i'm trying to say is that is if you go back and look at a couple of hundred years ago we believed the earth was the center of our solar system everything revolved around the earth yeah. until 
Galileo says it could be, it's the son that, and people thought he was crazy. They put him in the jail and they wanted to kill him because he was believing that, how can we not be in control? This earth is the center, everything else has to be around it. And I really believe the same thing is gonna to happen to the human body. And this is going out on a limb. My belief is <clears throat> gut will turn out to be our primary brain. And the microbes are gonna turn out to be the, the puppet masters. And the thing sitting on top of our shoulder, that is simply the puppet that follows the direction when the puppets pull the string. So you may not realize when you are hungry and when you are full, that actually comes from your microbes. The craving that happens, it's not in your brain. The craving comes from the, what microbes want, right? So I tell my wife, I, I don't want the chocolate. My microbes are asking for it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that makes me think of our um, a mutual friend of ours, Dave Asprey. He says, we are actually hardwired to be kind to each other. Yes. But it's our mitochondria and the lack of energy that we provide to them that, that makes it so hard to enact and enable and embody that every day. Actually, there's even more scientific reason for why we are wired to be uh, kind to each other. And the number one reason is if you go back and look at how humanity evolved, we realize from very early days, we start to form the tribes. And the concept of tribe was very simple, that we as individual would die if our tribe didn't survive. That means if the person next to me or the people around me, the local concept, if they were dying, I would not survive. So it really depended on us being kind to each other so we as a tribe could survive. And that concept actually is still there. So even if you look at the mirror neurons in our, our brain, what are the mirror neurons do? They actually start to see the, what you're seeing and start to simulate that on your own brain. So when I feel the sadness, my brain simulates and I feel sad, right? So it is already built in. What really happens is the people over time have stopped listening to it because they are overwhelmed and the other noise that's coming into it, our receptors are no longer really receiving those kind signals because we have been overwhelmed by everything else, all other signals. So I believe we as humans are absolutely evolved to be kind to each other. And to me, if you think about happiness, when are you most happy? It's not when you have the most amount of money. It's not because you have the biggest house. You're most happy when you're able to do something for someone with absolutely no expectations of getting something back. And that's true happiness you will never find. So the serotonin is released when I'm able to do something, someone listening like what you are doing is really is the kindest thing you can do. You are giving people who are listening to this your time. You can make more money, but you can never make more time. And the hour that you give me, the most important thing you had. So I am I mean, grateful that you chose to spend this hour with me. Because, and by the way, like to, help, Thank you. to help the people who are listening to it. So think about that for a second. You're doing it for one reason and one reason only hoping that people who are listening to you could one day do something different that will change the trajectory of how humanity is going to live. Well, that's, that's absolutely it. This is what my moonshot is, right? Is <laughs> I see that we are so equal and so interconnected within our individual existence, of course. Um, 
but the equality, I mean, time is a great metaphor for it because time is equal to all of us. It's, it's the, the linear reality of, of time or in, in this 3D version of reality, time is 24 hours a day. Every human being has that. It's unlike money or access to goods or resources, we all actually share the same um, amount of time, right? However, the smart thing you can do is to leverage that time. So a, a person who is an individual centric says, mm -hmm. I have 24 hours and I can do so much. Mm -hmm. And a person, other person may say, you know what? I have those 24 hours, but I'm gonna use that hour to get my thought process to million people and million people's lives will change and they will do things differently. So I have multiplied my time by million people now, right? So in some sense, you created this time by creating the message that will resonate and that will be actionable for people to do something, right? So my belief has always been is like coming back to healthcare is when everyone believed it wasn't possible. So when I started this company called Wyom, very interesting thing happened. When I said, I am going to make illness optional. And now I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but amazing things happen to me. Someone, <clears throat> the head of the Watson research, calls me and said, I've been working on this problem for 20 years where I can look at all the data, I can find the information, you find me the data, I can build the AI to solve this problem. Dr. Massier, who is a PhD in microbiology, MD, functional medicine, working for Craig Venter. Craig Venter, as you know, is father of synthetic biology. She was working for human longevity. She calls me and saying, what's the point living longer if people are gonna to continue to suffer? Let me come and help you solve this problem of making illness, eliminate, prevent, and reverse chronic illnesses. Guess what happened? As I continue to go down the path, I found an amazing technology at Los Alamos National Research, where they were developing something for national security to understand if a bad actor were to get hold of something biological, how would they know what just happened? So they built an amazing technology to understand what is going on inside the human body, what these organisms are, what are they doing, how active they are. And I said, that's it. If we can apply that technology and you put all these teams together, suddenly you have solved the problem. So now all of us are now there. So imagine, it started with a simple thing. Can we do something that is so audacious that will change the trajectory of how humanity is gonna live? And that goal became a company. And when you assemble a great team, the next thing happens is every investor wants to be thinking, what are you doing when you have all these people coming together? And the interesting thing you can do is when you tell someone you don't want the money, it's like, raising a red, red flag in front of a bull. Oh my God, you must have something so important that you don't want to share, right? And then everybody wants to invest in what you do. And it starts with one person with an audacious moonshot of what is possible. And today we sit here and within six months, we launched a company, Julia, and we have thousands of people who are already using it. And here's the interesting one. People who are using it, not only they get better, but everyone, the person who subscribes to the service, they help the whole humanity because the artificial intelligence is learning and it's getting better. So if we can somehow, with your help, get 1 million people to use the Wyoming service, think what will happen. Our AI will understand exactly what's causing Alzheimer's 
the Parkinson's, the cancer, the autism, the depression, and boom, you know, we have solved the problem. Exponential. You, you don't have to convince me. Let's, let's, let's get, get this message out to 1 million people and see how we can actually uh, learn with each other, from each other. And what I, what I love hearing there, Naveen, and I, I feel like any of the technologies that are currently arising and exponentially amplifying humanity, like the fourth industrial revolution is fully underway, right? But any of these realities that we're facing, I feel like we can't even imagine where they will take us because what really is important is that, that we allow them to weave together. Like the moment blockchain and machine learning are actually gonna become one, it's going to be so beyond what our human mind is currently capable of thinking. So yeah, let's get this message out there. But that's the thing, you know, one of the things, very interesting thing we did, we brought the cost down from $3,000 to under $300. And as we get the people to come up, that is going to come down to under $10, right? So over time it's going to become free. And my hope really Julian is that everything that we care about, everything that we value, if we create that in abundance, amazing things will happen. It becomes democratized and it becomes demonetized. And people always say, you know, I remind them, people fight over what? We fight over land, we fight over water, and we fight over energy. Mm -hmm. And if all you have to do is look up, <laughs> abundance of land, there's abundance of energy, and there's abundance of water. Yeah. All we have to do is simply make it possible. And if you do, what will happen will be, everyone will have more of everything that they want. Mm -hmm. And here's the very interesting part that you will realize that once you, people say that it doesn't matter how much we have, we as humans are greedy and we want just more and we'll always be fighting over it. And I remind them about air. Air is one thing people actually internalize there is so much of that we can all be sitting in the same room and we don't fight over air. And what if the food was the next year? What if the uh, real estate was the next year? What if the energy was the next year? What if the water was the next year? And all these things become so abundant that everybody will take it for granted and everything will be free and it will be available to everyone. Wow, I'm getting, I'm getting chills as you're saying that because it's, it's that real. It's, that's my moonshot is, is reaching billions of people and actually realizing that we share the same problems because we're looking at states of reality. As you said, we're looking at what is yeah. instead of allowing ourselves to, we don't dare to go far enough to see what could we do with 7.5 billion people on this planet because we're actually sharing the same issues and the same complexities. Except that the mindset says the 7.5 billion going to 9 billion is a problem. <laughs> I look at this stuff and saying 7.5 billion going to 9 billion is an opportunity. And the reason it's an opportunity is every one of us says two minds are better than one. What if we can have 9 billion minds connected together, working together to solve a problem? Is there any problem on the universe that can't be solved when 9 billion minds together are wanting to solve that problem? Wow. Let me ask you this, because this, this is where what just arises for me in this very unique moment. What, what, is, what is consciousness to you? So consciousness is, you know, to me, it is all about being in one with yourself and the nature, understanding that we are just an energy and that energy uh, and we are part of this larger energy. 
and we are basically you know we ne energy never gets destroyed it simply gets transformed into one set of energy into different set of energy right and you could argue that even today when i look at myself and i'm absolutely can believe that i have this body i can and the reason i believe is i can touch my hand and it feels so real and i remind people within six months or a year you will have these virtual reality glasses they will have a full haptic feedback with somatosensory with the full body you will see a bottle of water and you'll be able to touch it and you see you're holding it and that doesn't really exist what if the what if our mind is that virtual reality that's already built in? We believe this hand exists where it doesn't really there. It's simply the energy. <laughs> so what's our consciousness? Being one with everything else around us. Wow. That, that, that's a complete new level you just took it to. I, I love it. So then if that is our consciousness, being one with the infinite in that sense, the, what is a conscious thought revolution to you and and is that when all the minds collide and we are nine billion people solving things together i agree with except the word collide when nine million nine billion minds are connected together symbiotically right yeah so in the symbiosis nine billion minds connected is the real consciousness is that when we are all become one because we are part of the same energy and we all symbiotically start to work together for each other's benefit because symbiotic relationship says if any of the person dies the whole ecosystem will die so that's the true revolution us yes. arising to that place of symbiosis yes and that's by the way what nature does so the human body you know we are basically a host and our guests are these ecosystem of microbial and microbial i don't just mean bacteria these are viruses these are yeast and the fungus and the mold and these are using by the way our microbiome communicates with our mitochondria directly because our mitochondria is an organelle that used to be an ancient bacteria and so these bacterial communication is happening our microbiome modifies the micro rna in our brain to actually control of what's going on and there was a recent research paper that showed that how microbiome mimics the intercellular communication of the human cells and actually uh, hijacks the communication to be able to control what cells are communicating epigenetically what genes are being expressed so they to large extent it doesn't matter what our genes what our dna is because the expression of the dna is controlled by these microbes so they're literally controlling every knob influenced by our environment and our states of mind that's right and the reason i'm saying is that symbiosis relationship and the where i was going with that is when we don't take care of our guest what happens our guest starts to become uneasy mm -hmm. that means what happens we become at unease and what is the unease called disease it's called disease <laughs> yeah right so disease is nothing but our body being not at ease wow so what can anyone who's listening anyone who's hearing this message what is the one single thing that you'd say we can do to emerge into more ease and shift this paradigm of well this old paradigm yeah. So one thing to really is no longer understand that we have this black box 
and we starting to follow the fad. My friend went on Atkins diet, worked for it. My friend did a paleo diet, it did this. Or my friend did a keto diet. And, and the next thing is this leptin diet. And you know, point is, there is no such thing as healthy diet. That, there is no universal healthy diet. A diet that's good for you may not be good for me. And here's the irony, the diet that's good for me today will not be good for me three months from now. So understanding what's going on. And the reason we started Wyom was exactly that. We look at every single organism in your body, every bacteria at a strain level, every virus, DNA virus, RNA virus, phages, yeast, fungus, mold. And then we look at how active these things are. But more importantly, what are they producing? Are they producing short-chain fatty acid? Are they producing vitamin K? Are they producing vitamin P? Are the TMA pathways active? Is the TCA pathway active? And then we go look at the host site how does your body re reacting to it? How is your immune system reacting to it? How, you know, how is your mitochondria being expressed? How are your blood genes being expressed? Is, are you having the biogenesis of your mitochondria so you feel healthy? And we look at all of that and put that under AI and says, you know what, Julian, what you really need to be doing is eat broccoli, but don't eat cauliflower. By the way, don't eat onion and garlic, but eat uh, parsley and very, very specific of what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. And then you remeasure yourself every three months, every six weeks, once you made the changes and you say, oh, now my body has adapted to it. Now I make a change again. So it's constant making sure you are one with your body and creating this ecosystem that's in symbiosis and at ease. So my, as I said, is that I personally went through the same struggle I was, you know, I was trying to lose 10 pounds and I was pre-diabetic and everyone told me, you know, same thing. Oh, it's easy. All you have to do is cut down all the carbs. Don't eat any carbs. Don't eat any starch. I'm a vegetarian to begin with. And so I'm eating now lentil, legumes, tofu and stuff, right? Avocado and all good stuff. And I thought I was going to be really healthy. Turns out my body, that's not what my body wanted. And I, after a year, I'm still not losing weight. My blood glucose is still high. And once I did my own volume test, turns out I need to be eating more than half my diet as carbs. Wow. And interesting thing is because I grew up in Northern India. And secondly, when I am a vegetarian, I'm eating only one set of food. What's happening is I'm only feeding one set of ecosystem and other set of ecosystem was dying. And suddenly the things that these guys were producing are no longer being produced. So I was completely imbalanced now. And now I have to eat more carbs to start growing them up, to start reducing the growth of them, and then rebalance them up and down slowly, slowly, right? My point was, when I started eating carbs, I lost weight. I'm not, what I was told was, don't eat lentil, legumes, tofu, spinach, avocado, everything that I was eating, and start eating other things, right? So very counterintuitive, and it's very interesting. Now, every girl wants my microbiome. She wants to eat carbs. <laughs> and I keep saying, you know, you can't just kiss me and get my microbiome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. This is, this is individually different for every human being on the planet. Is that correct? That's correct. And it's not only individual. It is constantly changing. So it's adapted because your human body, our human body, is not constant. It's not static. So I can't say this is the right diet for Naveen and that's it. Right. It says what's the right diet for Naveen today. It's evolving life, like life is evolving in every moment and every day. 
And that's the thing. So, you know, the help that I need most is I can't solve this problem of global uh, chronic illness, which is the biggest problem, in my opinion, facing humanity. We're spending trillions of dollars and more and more people are make, becoming sicker. So it's, it's interesting thing is the more we're spending, the sicker the society is getting. Isn't that a counterintuitive something is wrong with this picture? And my thinking is once we get the million on, yeah. people, one million people is all we need because then AI will take over. And then suddenly I can shut the company down and move on to fix the education, move on to fix the you know, water, food. And because the same problem ha happens in agriculture and food, we have destroyed the ecosystem of our soil. We destroyed the ecosystem by genetically modifying the seeds. And we need to bring the ecosystem back where our soil is rich with microbiome. So we're not putting all these pesticides that, what do they do? They kill all the organisms. Right. Very powerful what you're sharing there. It, it's it's the understanding for us to look at the infinite, right? At the cosmos, at the, the possibility to explore for basically ever. I think that level of consciousness actually allows us to then come back and say, well, so why not treat planet Earth in the most holistic sense, in the most symbiotic sense, so that we're actually one, not just with our own microbiome, but also with the biosphere Earth, because it's a thriving planet that it, it doesn't want anything else but to drink water and breathe the air, right? Yeah. That's it. I think that's where the future of education actually starts. I'm so happy you're mentioning it because it's, it's very much the, the heart of my heart that, that is beating for the future of education. And, so future uh, of education is actually yeah. simple, which is exactly the same. It needs to be personalized. It needs to be adapted. The problem with education system is it's not that it's broken. It was designed for one thing and our needs are very different. So it was designed to teach you skills. And with the world of exponential technologies, Every skill that we learn becomes obsolete every five to 10 years. So what an education system has to do, it's not broken. We just have to redesign it now to say learning to learn, assume all the skills, the facts are available to you. What would you do? How do you solve problems? How do you use interdisciplinary approach? So my point is it's, it's very similar, like solving the healthcare problem, solving the education problem, it's looking at the things symbiotically as an ecosystem looking at, you know, as you say, the consciousness, becoming the consciousness with our planet, with the universe. And once you start to do that, you start to see the problems are very similar. We have constantly destroyed the part that makes us whole. We take this thing out and say, oh, the appendix, you don't need that. Or that, you know, you got this gallbladder thing, just remove that, you don't need that. <laughs> well, it, it, it might possibly be the, you know, when oneness becomes a prerequisite for how we approach Earth and our journey on Earth, um, it, this this is what arises for for me personally. And it sounds like you're you're sharing sharing a similar message that the way we used to condition ourselves is we used to create humans as production factors within an economy. Yeah. But now that things are changing every five years or even in shorter cycles, yeah, um, yeah education really just is is about preparing us to be conscious beings, to be aware of what is, to make conscious choices, right? Engage in this symbiotic relationship. And then from there, just, I really believe just follow our curiosity because it's our curiosity that's innate in us. Yeah, and that is actually the point you're making is if you ask me one single thing that will change the humanity forever is the constant curiosity. Intellectual curiosity is what drives the humanity forward. In my opinion, you ask me, when do we die? The day we stop becoming intellectually curious, as far as I'm concerned, that organism is dead. 
And that means you become a zombie at that point. You're just living with no purpose, right? So you're only alive when you're constantly curious and constantly exploring. And in fact, I believe the idea of taking someone to the water and making them drink is the wrong way of looking at it. The best way of doing it is to make them thirsty. Because if you make them thirsty, what happens? They will be finding the water rest of their life. And they will be drinking that water rest of their life. And your job is intellectual curiosity is the, thir the thirst that you give them. Wow. So encouraging curiosity, encouraging exploration. Naveen, there is a project that I, I, I want to share with you and to our listeners as well. I'm going to share the link um, in the show notes as well. It's called Exploration Center. Without an E, just exploration. And it's yeah. a group of people that is building the future of education and a, a decentralized curriculum. Because as you just said, like information and technology is accessible to Everyone. All of the planet now, but hopefully all of us within the next 10 years. And what it really comes down to then is a love-based education, a compassionate education that honors us as individuals within the group and yes. lets us explore this curiosity and lets us, yeah, become thirsty for life. And, and by the way, the peer-to-peer -peer learning, just like the ecosystem we create, where we see there's no longer the idea of a sage on the stage. Everyone believes we can teach each other something new. And this idea of connecting the humans together where we learn from each other, no longer there's one sage who teaches you. It, every one of us can become a student and a teacher. Lifelong learning. Wow. Yeah, that's, 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 very, much, that's very much what my heart beats for. And you know, you know, the funny thing is, it hasn't started at some point in my life. That, that was always there. As far as I remember back as a five-year-old, a six-year-old, that was actually alive within me. And it's, it's the journey in society that, that, that maybe I would call it a detour at that point. But when we become present right now, I think we're actually all beating at that heartbeat. And here's what happens. The society tries to create the idea of a norm and it wants to push in the bell curve everybody to the center. An interesting thing is that most of the disruption happens on the edges. It is those crazies on the edges. They say, I don't believe the world has to be like this. I see a different world. And people call them that they have a distort, distorted reality field, right? But they look at the world as the world can be. And you tell them, this world is here. I see it. And people say, what are you talking about? You must be living in a parallel world. No, they're looking at the world of what they're going to change to. And so it's not, a, you know, it's really easy to predict the future when you can create it, right? When you're creating the future, you know exactly what it's going to be. So you can predict it. Wow. So only those who dare to go too far will yeah. find out how far one can go? Or I would say is it doesn't matter how far you end up going, you still move the humanity forward. Wow. Well, Naveen, let's, let's do this. Let's get this message out to a million people that want to see a green planet, blue planet thriving, like a, a new earth, yeah. and people that want to be part of this conscious evolution, this, this conscious thought revolution on the inside. Yes. So to those one million people, what is the one thing how we can be of service towards biome and curing disease forever? So I would say is honestly, you know, from, you know, I grew up in India with very uh, poor. We didn't have food to eat. We were, we didn't have place to stay. I came to United States 35 years ago with $5, didn't speak the language. The, 
society, the people and the God has been so kind to us. And the thing that I find most uh, disturbing is the people who helped me, they don't need my help. That means I can't pay back my debt. And the only way I know how to pay back my debt is to pay forward. That means going out and doing things that's gonna help the humanity because these are the same people, a group of people who helped me. So I believe together we can make this happen, but I can't do it alone. We need people to go to wyom.com and we will you know, give them at cost. We're not trying to make money. This is to me, we can solve it. So here is something I have never done. What I'm going to do is, set up a code for you and I'm going to send it to you uh, and that will give you a discount on these services. So you, every one of you can go out and use it. And so you can share it with the audience. Yeah. Yeah. My personal code is family F A M I L Y and use the code family. You get 10% off and everyone can go sign up today. Um, go to wyom.com and as an immigrant English, wyom actually starts with V. I can never pronounce it. It's, 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 everyone I'm, has with you, I'm with you on that one. We as a Victor, I-O-M-E. I grew up in, in Germany, um, in München, close to Munich, Munich area, and uh, V's and W's are hard for me in the English language. And that's my point. I, so when I say Wyom, they say, oh, you mean W? No, no, no. That's V. But that's not Wyom. But that is Wyom. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as we're having fun, I think we're always on the, on the right track. Um, it's also interesting from, from that perspective of being a global citizen to see what I've realized around my gut biome actually is that let's say carbs or, or sourdough bread is something that for, for my current metabolism, it, it's exactly what I want to need for yeah. other people though. It's, it's probably the worst thing they could have and gluten just increases their, their tolerance for disease. You know, I had just morning I woke up and the first thing I did was I ate my sourdough bread. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, me too. Oh, wonderful. Okay, so let's make that happen. Let's, um, everybody listening um, will also share that via the Conscious Thought Revolution and, and the, the, the bigger network of the human family. Let's use the code FAMILY and go to viome.com and um, be part of the experiment to actually understand ourselves better and then also understand collectively through machine learning and artificial intelligence, how can we serve humankind to reach that state of ease, right? Yes, and more than that, it's just not about learning. You actually will get better because a lot of the times people say, I don't have any symptom. And that to me is something I really want to expand on. And we all go through that. It's, well, I am healthy. And then someday you say, well, I cannot believe I just caught diabetes. And I remind people, you don't catch diabetes. You don't catch cancer. You don't catch obesity. You don't catch Parkinson. You develop it over a long, long period of time. So just because you don't see the symptom doesn't mean you don't have inflammation in your body. Every one of the chronic disease starts with one thing and one thing only, which is a chronic inflammation. So point is when you are looking at myom, your own myom results, it essentially is forcing you to reduce your inflammation. That means disease will never show up. When they show up, it's already too late. It's much harder when you start to see the symptom. So when you sign up, not only you get better, you make the humanity better. So there's very few times where you say, I am serving myself. And by serving myself, I'm serving the humanity. Wow. So tell us a tiny bit more about what the steps are. So when you sign up, is it that you, you do a blood sample or like what does actually happen? 
So there's a couple of things. So when you get, when you sign up, you get a kit at home. So you go, doctor doesn't need to be involved. So one of the things we're trying to do is get rid of this medical system because once you are in the medical system, they'll keep you sick. That's the sole purpose of them is to keep you sick. The pharmaceutical companies want you to stay sick because that's how they make money. Uh, doctors want you to be sick, that's how they make money. The insurance company wants you to be sick because that's how they make money. Everybody has a, a vested interest in you being sick, except you and I both don't want to be sick. So we say let's empower each one of us to become the CEO of our own health. So you get this kit at home, you take a swab of a stool, you put in a test, you, you shake it up and send it to us in a prepaid envelope. At home, we measure your metabolic flexibility. So we look at this stuff and say, how does our, your body and my body's digesting carbs, fat, and protein? And then we are going to be adding a couple of more tests as add-ons uh, in the next 90 days. Things like your urine metabolites. What are the things that body is producing biochemically that are too much or too little? And then we are adding a drop of, a three drops of blood that you'll be sending us in a test tube also that will look at your mitochondrial gene expression. It is going to look at your blood gene expression. It's going to look at everything, the inflammation. It's going to look at the food sensitivities. And those things are not there yet, but they'll be coming. But the point is, once you're part of it, you're going to be exposed to every one of these things. And then we look at all this data and say, what is wrong? And how do we modulate it? How do we reduce it so the people are not having inflammation, so people are not sick? And here's the thing, the same inflammation in one person may end up causing cancer, in someone may end up causing Alzheimer's. In some people, the inflammation may be causing obesity, in other person it becomes diabetes, but the cause is the same, it's the inflammation. People don't get heart disease because of cholesterol, they get heart disease because of arteries inflammation. Got it. Well, that's that's pretty simple to do. I think I think uh, that's one thing all humans share. We all digest, so that's an easy part to uh, get a, a sample of that and send it in. So you said it's three hundred dollars. That's a one-time fee or an annual fee? Or? It's an annual three ninety-nine per year, and you'll get ten percent off with the code family. And okay. the, so the interesting thing is, <clears throat> and then you can do as many tests as you want during the year for one ninety-nine. So you can get every two months, every six weeks, depending on as you start to feel you made enough changes and you want to know how your body has adapted, you go out and do another test. So you can do as many tests or as little tests as you want. But the interesting thing is, it's entirely up to you. When you make a change, you take responsibility. And when you say, I've made enough changes, you want to test to see how it changed your body. You're getting me excited for that. I literally was dreaming of something like that a couple of years ago in, in that sense of like, how can I actually understand my own body better? Because <clears throat> clearly, as you said, the health system is, is a sickness system and meant to keep us in a certain loop. And I feel like the individual understanding of, of who we are and how our own biome is happening and how it's processing is, is really what, what is becoming increasingly interesting. More than that, taking the personal responsibility for your own health. When we start to outsource a responsibility to someone else, it's their job to keep me healthy. Guess what? They don't care about you. Yeah. Right? Their well, job is to it's, keep It's me. our job to be responsible in the sense like we're able to respond yes. to anything that's going on in our, in our system. Naveen, we're having a great conversation. I really appreciate your time and taking your time for our listeners. We talked about the future of ed education, the future of health, right? The, the moonshot mindset, the mindset of abundance. 
Um, let me ask you another question that is kind of why I started this project of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And that question is like, what is your long-term vision for planet Earth? So if we were to have a shared human vision, um, 200 years, 300 years, however long you want to go, what, what do you see planet Earth becoming? Planet Earth is going to, again, is the part of a larger ecosystem. So just like we look at our body is a part of ecosystem, which is our, then we are part of a larger humanity. Our humanity is part of the larger planet Earth. And then you start to look at the planet Earth is part of the, our solar system, a larger solar system. A larger solar system is part of our galaxy and our galaxy is part of the bigger galaxy, right? Yeah. The point I'm trying to make is that we, uh, we have to start thinking of us at any level that it's not just contained. It is part of another ecosystem. So we can't just say, oh, <clears throat> if we just protect the planet Earth, everything will be fine. Because if everything around it dies, the planet Earth will die. Think about it. If our solar system dies, then planet Earth is not going to survive. No sunlight, no planet Earth. Yeah. And that's my point. So we have to start always thinking as holistically. And that means we shouldn't be restricting ourselves to say, this is it. We should be able to live on the moon and the Mars and the Titan and Europa. And then it starts to grow from there to the other part and then create that symbiotic relationship as if we are part of the same humanity, just happen to be living in Australia versus the moon or the Mars. Hmm. Wow. <clears throat> A holistic understanding for the microcosm and also the macrocosm we're in. Yes. Beautiful. Well, what is one more thing you want to share with our audience um, as we're kind of concluding this conversation? What, what, is, what is one more thing you want to pass on as uh, I know people are listening to you and I know people are following you. And I think it's very important to, 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 to listen deeply and understand how can we um, aspire to our own moonshots and be in symbiosis with your mission. Yeah. So one of the things that I find is each one of us has that power to dream and dream big. And my advice is dream so big that people think you are absolutely crazy. When you tell someone what you're going to be doing, and if they don't respond and say, that's freaking crazy. <laughs> they're not thinking big. Think really big until someone tells you, that's a freaking crazy. And then you go out and do that and make that happen. Never be afraid to fail. You and I as humans only fail when we give up. Everything else is just a pivot. Every idea may or may not work. But idea that does not work is simply a stepping stone to a bigger idea and a different idea. So never ever give up and just continue to dream big. <clears throat> As an entrepreneur, most people are afraid of seeing these ups and downs. And I remind them, life of an entrepreneur is like a heartbeat. If you're not seeing ups and downs and you see a smooth line, you're dead. A smooth line is not good. That, that means you just don't realize you're dead yet, right? You want to be seeing ups and downs. And when you are down, all that tells you is next cycle is up. And just keep believing in yourself and keep executing. Wow, that's powerful. Keep believing in yourself. Um, encouraging and empowering all individuals to spread their uniqueness. Yes. And we, Sorry, yeah, please. No, no, I'm saying we all have that. I mean, we all have our individual superpower. 
The thing is, a lot of times, the society and the people around us suppress that thing in our sight. They try to mold us to come become the norm. They constantly tell you, it is not possible, Julian. Why are you going to be wasting your time? You will never be able to do that. You mean you're going to be able to have a podcast that people are going to listen to? Are you crazy? That will never happen. You look at yourself. How can that be possible? <laughs> and you say, look at me now, Ma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish my mom was listening to this podcast. I know that she's always learning a little bit more English, but her uh, main language is German. So, hey, Mom, if you're listening, um, <laughs> maybe you slow down the podcast so it's in, in uh, 0.5 speed. Some of us speed up our podcasts, right? Because we want to absorb so much information and um, always keep growing and learning. Because as you said, we are on this mission to be lifelong learners. And yeah, I'm, I'm really um, I'm inspired by what you share because it's exactly how I feel on the inside. And I wish I was encouraged and empowered as an even younger person, as a child growing up to, to go and maybe not chase my dreams, but find the people on planet Earth that have shared dreams. But remember, you're still young. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm still very young, so I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a journey now, yeah. And that's the point, it's never too late to start. Because we never know we could be living for thousands or hundreds of thousands of years. We barely begun. And if someone tells you that's crazy because human body is not gonna last more than 100 years, and you remind people, it used to last only 22 years. <laughs> very much so, yeah. No, that's, that's exactly why, why the, the realm of biohacking and the message that Dave Asprey is spreading is, is so powerful and important, I believe, at this point in time, is let's rise in awareness that we are able to be 175, 200 years old. And with that, I, I believe, comes a completely new responsibility and way of thinking for our environment. And as you said, our biosphere... Yeah, I agree. Completely agree with you. And also, we all, each one of us, we need to make sure that we are contributing back to the planet and to the society and to the ecosystem just as much as we are taking out of our ecosystem. That means we need to start to think that we all are interconnected. You can never take too much without giving something back because then you're not in a symbiotic relationship. Then you are in a parasitic relationship. So we're, we're thriving towards a sustainable reality while what we actually want is a regenerative reality. That's right. We all have to believe anytime you take more than you give, that's the definition of a parasite. Wow. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So. That, that, was, that was one powerful hour spent with you, Naveen. Thank you so much for spreading your wisdom and sharing, sharing what lights you up and talking about your moonshots. Thank you. Um, thank you for being on the show and thank you for raising human consciousness every day by being yourself. Thank you very much for inviting me and I'm so glad uh, you asked me to come here. Thank you.